As we continue to worship together today, let us hear the word of God from Matthew, chapter 16, verses 19 through 34. Stop collecting treasures for your own benefit on earth, where moths and rust will eat them and thieves will break in and steal them. Instead, collect treasures for yourself in heaven, where moths and rust don't eat them and thieves don't break in to steal them. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. Therefore, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light in you is darkness, how terrible that darkness will be. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one or love the other. You will be loyal to one and have contempt for the other. You cannot serve both God and wealth. Therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, about your body, what you'll wear. Isn't life, isn't life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds in the sky. They don't sow seeds and harvest grain and gather crops in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than they are? Who among you, by worrying, can add one single moment to your life? And why would you worry about your clothes? Notice the lilies in the field. They don't wear themselves out with work. They don't spin cloth. But I say to you that even Solomon in all his splendor wasn't dressed like one of these. If God dresses the grass in the field so beautifully, even though it's alive today and tomorrow it is thrown into the furnace, won't God do so much more for you? You people of weak faith. Therefore, don't worry and say, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? Gentiles long for these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Instead, desire first and foremost God's kingdom and God's righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, stop worrying about tomorrow. Oh, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Every day has enough trouble of its own. May God add blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of Scripture. Our hearts and minds are open. Amen. Can you uh, really worry yourself sick? You know, uh, th this question reminds me of a story about an Irishman's philosophy. Uh, there are only two things to worry about. Either you're well... Or you're sick. If you're a well, then there's nothing to worry about. If you're sick, then there are two things to worry about. Either you'll get well or you will die. If you get well, there's nothing to worry about. If you die, there are only two things to worry about. Will you go to heaven 
or will you go to hell? If you go to heaven, there's nothing to worry about. If you go to hell, well, you'll be so busy shaking hands with all your friends, uh, you won't even have to worry anymore. You know, it turns out that worry can make you sick. Uh, In an article in Psychology Today, it, it explains the connectedness between stress and negative emotions. When we worry, it it can weaken our immune system, that that system in our body that helps keep us well. So yes, you can worry yourself sick. Kind of think of it like this, our bodies, uh, when we worry all the time, it puts lots of stress on it, much like a machine that is never turned off. It just wears it out. What if there is a better way to live? You know, we've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount in which Jesus is showing that there is a better way to live life. And today we're looking at when we embody the way of Jesus, we exchange worry for calmness. You know, in this sermon that Jesus is teaching the people, he's teaching some very practical ideas of how to be devoted to God. Uh, John Wesley, who's the catalyst of the Methodist movement in the 1700s, preached extensively on the Sermon on the Mount. It is said that he has preached over 40,000 sermons. Now, I'm sure some of those are repeats. But within his sermons, 25% of them are from the Sermon on the Mount. Wesley was encouraged that Jesus gave such a practical, direct approach to guiding us in a life of discipleship. Many people today believe that the, the ideals expressed in the Sermon on the Mount turning the other cheek, loving your enemies, and do not worry are impossible to achieve. Wesley said that that these ideals are not meant to frustrate us as an impossibility, but they're meant for us to actually do with God's help. When we're faced with the struggles of everyday life, how do we not worry? When we're faced with things like forgiving people and we're faced with things like anxiety, how are we to embody the way that Jesus asked us to live? Now, in the, in the part of the Sermon on the Mount that, that Mike read for us today, uh, the theme isn't hidden. It's not an allegory like it was when we were going through the parables in, in Matthew. Uh, it is pretty open right there for, for all of us to see. Jesus says, do not worry about your life. Who among you by worrying can add a single moment to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? Therefore, do not worry. <laughs> Four times he addresses worry. And I wanted to be perfectly clear. 
Jesus is not saying we should just throw caution to the wind. We all have concerns about life, don't we? Uh, Are we where we should be in life? Do we have the right GPA and ACT score? Are they where they need to be? You know, am I going to be able to retire? You know, do I have the right style of clothes? You know, not to mention what's going on around the world. Jesus is reassuring people that God knows exactly what we need. He points to a better way of living. He says, instead, desire first and foremost God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, stop worrying about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles on its own. Uh, The text we read uses uh, the word worry. It can also be translated uh, as anxiousness or concern. It's conveying a message uh, or a notion that, that we are troubled in some way. And Jesus is plainly telling people not to be anxious about material things but rather put our eyes on God. Jesus is telling us that if we focus on the wrong things, then we will worry. Uh, Keep in mind, too, Jesus is talking to a group of people who would have been taking these words literally. They actually were worried about what they were going to eat, what they were going to drink, where they were going to get clothes. Uh, Not not because of like, you know, I have this problem when we go out to eat. Uh, I can't ever decide what I want. And, And I'm always looking at what everybody else at the table got and wishing I would have gotten that. That's not what we're talking about. It's not that kind of worry. It's the worry of if we will actually be able to feed our family. You know, we don't have a ton in common with the audience that Jesus was preaching to, but what we do have in common is that human condition of anxiety, fear, and worry we need to learn just as much as the people of Jesus' day that when we embody the way of Jesus, we exchange anxiety and worry for calmness. Now, I need to take a quick time out. Um, This week's text is particularly challenging for me at this time. Uh, I have been anything but calm for a long, long time. Worry in my life has been like a house guest that just won't go home. It's been since the pandemic and with all of our political rhetoric, the anxiousness and worry seems to be with me all the time. So please 
Uh, anytime that any of us are speaking up here, don't think that we have all this all figured out. Much of what I'm talking about today, I, I wrote for myself as much as anything else. Now, the opposite of worry is the belief that all will be well. That's a tall order, isn't it? How do we trust that all is well when chaos seems to be happening all around us? Uh, when I first came to Asbury uh, 11 years ago, uh, I was over the youth ministry and we decided that we were gonna take a beach trip to Panama City. Uh, and in our infinite wisdom, we decided that this beach trip would be a tribes beach trip. Now, tribes is our summer program with our students where we divide them up into four groups and they compete all summer long to see who's the champion for the year. Uh, it is not competitive at all. Uh, in fact, one of our students said that they blamed tribes on their competitive nature. And we, in our infinite wisdom, made this entire weekend about the competition. It was ongoing the entire time. They had a seashell gathering competition. They had a sandcastle uh, competition with a deadline that they could make. We played beach volleyball, water games, you name it. We did it. In fact, one tribe went to Alvin's Island and bought a bunch of seashells for the seashell competition. As I walked out to judge the sand capsule competition, it is hard for me to put into words what I saw. It was a dumpster fire. <laughs> Kids were screaming at each other. Uh, one tribe thought the other tribe tried to sabotage their sand castle, which they probably did, but, but there was a sixth grader sitting on the ground covered in sand, snot crying. And our intern, uh, I'm not going to call out Brian Deason, but our intern <laughs> was sitting in the beach chair in the middle of all this. I didn't know what to do. Didn't know how to start. So I just went over to Brian and I sat next to him. And he's gazing out at the ocean. And he looks at me and he goes, Pastor Robert, this is amazing. Thank you. And I thought, now that is the assurance that all will be well. <laughs> the bad news for us today is that transformation does not happen overnight. You're not gonna snap your fingers and be worry-free. The good news is that there's hope. The good news is also that transformation does not happen overnight. True sustainable transformation takes small steps over time. And that's what makes a big difference. So I want us to look for just a moment at some ways that we can bridge the gap and embody Jesus just a little more this week. First thing I want to lift up is we need to simplify. You know, in our consumer-driven world, the pursuit of material wealth often 
leads to more and more worry rather than contentment. Our stuff, it can become a preoccupation. As we chase bigger homes, as we go for fancier cars and uh, trendier gadgets, it adds more anxiety to our life. Jesus compels us to simplify our lives. Not by eliminating stuff, but, but by prioritizing them. He encourages us to store up things in heaven, not things in our bank account. You know, the things that really matter. Let's for a moment pretend that, that our lives are a house and each room is the different parts of our lives, uh, like family and our careers and our hobbies, our faith. Uh, and often we clutter these spaces with unnecessary anxieties and desires. We accumulate worries about what we're going to have and what we're going to do and worries about what we don't have or can't do. And Jesus is inviting us to declutter that. And I think to start off, we need to simply do it by decluttering our physical lives. You know, go and attack those spaces in your house that you need to get rid of stuff. It's a perfect time, right? October 14th, it's God's garage sale where, where we'll be able to uh, take the stuff that we're not using, put it in our gym, and have folks come who need it and take it. It's perfect timing to declutter your life. And the thing about it is when you do this, when you, when you give stuff away, it not only helps you, it also blesses somebody else. We also need to declutter our schedules, don't we? I mean, take a really good look at your schedule. What are the things you're doing that you really don't have to do that just cause anxiety? Take time to look at that and get rid of those things that are just stressing you out. We also need to declutter our minds. And we practice this by practicing mindfulness. You know, mindfulness, being in the moment. Meditating on the beauty of life. Taking that joy in that simple part of the day. Jesus is also calling us to serve. You know, in our need for security, we often serve the demanding master of materialism. And that's a relentless pursuit that compels us to prioritize our finances over everything else. Our drive to accumulate wealth, it also sometimes compromises our values and we would do things that we know are not right just so that we can get a little bit more. Instead, Jesus calls us to live life a little bit differently, doesn't he? The act of serving God involves uh, dedicating ourselves to a higher purpose. It means caring for others, spreading love and compassion everywhere we go by focusing 
on a divine purpose, we begin to detach from the worries of the day. To take that next step, um, consider your role in things that you're doing. Uh, Consider serving here in the church and outside of the walls of the church. Volunteering your time, your talents, your resources is a formula to lessen your own worries. Uh, When Tracy and I were were newly married, uh, I got a job as a youth director at St. Mark United Methodist Church in Vestavia. And Tracy was in optometry school, and, and we didn't have two nickels to rub together. You know, we were living above our means, living expenses off of student loans, And St. Mark had this uh, ministry with the youth that every, the first Monday of every month, they would go to the firehouse men's homeless shelter and they would purchase and cook a meal for the about 100 men at that time they would have stay the night. Uh, The first, you know, sometimes I forget about that experience, but it's good to remember the very first time I went, Uh, I got to meet the director. He showed me around the place. I got to meet some of the men who would call that place home for the night. Uh, I got to have fun with our students as we cooked. And then we got to serve them and talk to the men as they came through the line. And it hit me that as poor as we were, (laughs) I never wondered if I was going to eat the next day. Service should not be a have to, it should be a get to. In serving others, you'll discover a richness that transcends any kind of material wealth that we'll ever have. Jesus also causes us, calls us to seek. He encourages us to seek the kingdom above all else. Uh, the CEB, the, the translation we, we read today, said, uses instead of the word seek, says to desire. I love that. We need to desire the kingdom of God. Everything falls into place when we desire God. Uh, imagine a, a ship that is sailing through a stormy sea and it can see a lighthouse. You know, lighthouses are beacons of safety in the navigational world, especially uh, in ancient times or older times. Uh, Imagine how much calmer the captain and crew are when they can focus on that light. That's what happens to us when we seek God or desire God instead of paying attention to the chaos, we too can go through life a little more worry-free. We'll never, ever be completely worry-free. But when we seek God, priorities fall into place. When we embody the way of Jesus, We exchange worry for calmness. I want to invite the 
worship band to come back up as we close our time together. Uh, The Psalms are a great place to find prayers in times of worry. Uh, Psalm 51, 6 through 9 is a great example. It offers an alternative from worry. Verse 8 says this, Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. I love how Eugene Peterson's The Message puts it. They put it this this way. Tune me into a foot-tapping song. Set these once broken bones dancing. It is possible to exchange worry for calm. A calm that's not dependent on outcomes. The reason it's possible is because the God we believe in, the God we serve, he dressed the lilies of the field. He made sure the birds had enough to eat. And he too will make sure that we will be okay. We need to trust that God has got us. As we embrace these teachings in the Sermon on the Mount, we're embarking on a journey to embody the way of Jesus and experience calm and peace that can surpass understanding. Let's pray together. God, when we live with worry instead of living with you, Help us to take those next steps and put that worry down. Help us to see the goodness that is all around us. To focus on following you. In Jesus' name, amen.